Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Do you want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. It lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. You know I love that, and I promise you the other platforms don't offer that. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can also earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. I've been using Spotify for Podcasters from the very start. I highly recommend you give it a try. Just don't post on Monday. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Hey everyone, Gil Gross here, and it is time for a preview of the 2023 Wimbledon Men's Semifinals. Novak Djokovic versus Yannick Sinner, and Daniil Medvedev versus Carlos Alcaraz. Let's start with uh, Alcaraz Medvedev. No reason, just because. Head-to-head uh, -head between those two is 1-1. One, one. Wimbledon 2021 was the first meeting. Uh, Medvedev crushed what was, at the time, a prepubescent Carlos Alcaraz. There is no better way to put it. And uh, then they met this March. Indian Wells final scoreline 6-3, 6-2 Alcaraz. Probably the smartest match I've ever seen Carlitos play. I just feel like his shot selection was completely on point when the opportunity presented itself for Carlitos to be aggressive with Medvedev out of position, particularly on the plus one and sometimes on the second return of serve. Alcaraz was aggressive in those situations, and he also provided uh, a lot of or applied a lot of pressure with his forward movement, his transition to the net. But he was also very patient and consistent when Medvedev was well positioned and I thought that balance and that awareness of, you know, when to pull the trigger, when to scale back was just, again, so on the money for Alcaraz throughout that entire match. And the result was that Carlitos ended up winning in every aspect of the tennis, more serve damage, more effective attack, and even less errors. And, you know, we know in this matchup, that's kind of a problem for Medvedev. Uh, there was talk of Daniil losing so badly that he'd have to adjust his return position next time he played Alcaraz. Now, remember, I got the chance to ask Daniil questions the, the next week. Actually, you know, only four or five days later in Miami. And I asked him if he would consider adjusting his return position the next time he played Alcaraz. And he basically told me no. He said, you know, the, the factors are... It's only one match. His mindset is this. It was only one match. And for him to feel like he needs to make a drastic change in the way he plays, there would need to be more than one match of things going wrong for him. And then the second factor was the surface. He felt like, well, th this was a disadvantageous surface. So, you know, maybe if I played Alcaraz on a, on a different court and the same thing happened, that's when I would consider adjusting. 
Uh, so, you know, given what we've seen from Medvedev throughout the tournament and given what he told me in Miami, I don't think we'll see an adjusted return position from Daniil. Uh, let's talk about the surface that is different. Uh, Medvedev's serve can definitely play a bigger role on this grass court than it did at Indian Wells. And that could be a real key, particularly because Daniil had a pretty awful serving performance in that final. He did not hit an ace. It was the first time in a very, very long time. I know I went back and found it on Monday Match Analysis uh, the last time he didn't hit an ace. And uh, the backhand. I think the backhand can be a much more effective shot on the grass than it was on that gritty hard court. I think that Medvedev will not only be able to do more damage off the two-hander, but more importantly, uh, it should be a shot that is difficult for Alcaraz to attack on the grass. I, I think on that hard court, you know, Daniil could go cross-court with his backhand, and Alcaraz could a lot of the time find runarounds. With that, I will do what I normally do. I'll kind of talk about both players' paths to victory, beginning with Alcaraz. You know, Carlitos did kind of show us what the blueprint was at Indian Wells, and I, I do think he can do a lot of the same things, despite this being a different surface. And let's talk about that return position. Medvedev standing deep in an effort to make more returns, and it works. You look at the stats, returns in play, how often he's aced. You know, all of these areas are, are areas that Medvedev excels. He makes you play more balls. And then he's able to recover his position with his speed and his unbelievable defensive skills. And, you know, against righties, you know, righties usually pull Medvedev out wide on the deuce. And, you know, then you try to go into his backhand. And the way he defends his two-hander is uh, it, it's insane. It's ridiculously good. But... Alcaraz's attack in that plus one scenario is uh, just simply better than just about everybody else. Whether it be, and you know, the, the whole arsenal comes into play, right? You think about all the options that Alcaraz has when he has an opportunity to attack a plus one ball with Medvedev out of position. Uh, the serve plus power into the open court. He does that a lot better than everybody else. The serve plus approach is an area where he excels. The serve plus drop shot. Who does that better than Alcaraz? Serve and volley skill. I think he's in the 99th percentile of serve and volley skill. And, you know, all of these things are, are areas that uh, even, you know, Chris Eubanks found a ton of success against Medvedev implementing. Uh, the reason why I was not surprised that Eubanks gave Medvedev a run for his money. And while I'm on the topic, look, I, if I could go back in time, I'd do the Medvedev-Eubanks uh, match instead of Alcaraz-Runa. But you guys got to understand that uh, I cannot analyze two matches at once effectively. I just can't do it. So I had to choose one. And, uh, you know, that's... I'll leave it at that. Against the big serving of Medvedev, Moving off of the, the serve plus one topic against Medvedev's deep return position, uh, which I think can be effective for Alcaraz. Uh, but against the big serve of Medvedev, I think it's important to note that uh, Carlitos's return of serve has really stood out. I was very impressed with how that performed against Berrettini. In, in a, I was really impressed uh, with how it performed against Berrettini. Uh, Matteo, 67% first serve points won on grass. That is... Miraculous. 
Berrettini's career average is 78%, and that includes hard courts and clay courts. So you could imagine probably what the grass average is, maybe around 80. Alcaraz shut it down completely. Uh, Nicholas Jari had a little bit more success than Berrettini, uh, but he was 72% first serve points won. So, you know, Jari and the massive first serve that he possesses, it's not like it was able to dominate Carlitos in any meaningful way. I think Alcaraz's return mindset will be this. Uh, on the first serve return, you know, safety is an option against Medvedev. So I really do hope that Alcaraz uh, focuses on trying to make as many in play as possible because Medvedev is not always comfortable hurting you with the plus one uh, at the at the highest of levels. And, you know, Alcaraz, as fast as he is, I, I think he should really focus on just making first serve returns. But on the second return, and I mentioned it briefly, I really feel that Alcaraz should be quite aggressive. I talk about Medvedev being out of position to defend um, on particularly on the plus one because of his return position. But the same thing applies to the second serve return when Medvedev is recovering out of his service motion and he's on the baseline, which is really not a, a position that optimizes his court coverage. And we saw Alcaraz, despite him implementing a very patient game plan in a lot of ways, he was not patient on the second serve return. He was very, very bold and looking to do damage, and I think he should do that again. Couple of other notes for Alcaraz. Uh, I think he's been too predictable on the drop volley. He needs to volley deep sometimes. Runa was all over it, and I've I even think previous opponents have been on it. So you know you can't hit the same volley every time. Sometimes you got to go deep. Uh, the other thing is he should use his slice more often than usual, and and I think he'll do that. I feel like you know. I feel like he's malleable enough tactically where uh, where Juan Carlos Ferrero and Carlitos will uh, will make the decision to use the backhand slice a little bit more often. And uh, I, I expect to see that, and I think it should sometimes set up the forehand quite nicely. The Medvedev path to victory. Look, the serve needs to take the pressure off. You start there. That's the biggest key. It needs to be a factor. And it's going to be interesting to see just how much how how much damage he can really do on it. Uh, then the other thing is he ultimately needs to reverse the unforced errors number from Indian Wells. He he can't lose that. He he must be more consistent on rally balls than Alcaraz. And that would be my really ground level basic summary of how Medvedev wins this match and kind of reverses what happened last time. It's win the free points battle and win the uh win the battle of, you know, making less attacking and neutral errors. But if we get more granular, I think the backhand is a lot more stable than than Alcaraz is and it's harder for Carlitos to run around on the surface. So Medvedev should be better in that cross court. I'm curious to see if Medvedev's backhand cross-court one produces uh, Alcaraz misses, two sets up baseline attack, and you know just if if that's a pattern that Medvedev can kind of have success off of. I I mentioned the scrambling. I I do think that that Medvedev will have an opportunity if his positioning 
is controlled and, you know, kind of in a, in, in a position that gives him a chance to uh, sit on, anticipate, and cover the Alcaraz drop volleys, and in some cases, even the Alcaraz drop shots. Uh, it hasn't been the best tournament for Alcaraz on the drop shot, and I think a lot of that has been because on grass, players are kind of holding the baseline a little bit better than they, they typically do on hard court and clay court, and I think Alcaraz at times have got has gotten himself into trouble on the drop shot, not to mention and this isn't talked about that much, it's hard to execute the drop shot from a low contact point. And I've also seen that, even on the forehand drop shot, where, where Alcaraz is just not really finding a comfortable contact for his drop shot. I do think Medvedev should also play hard, uh, deep and hard through the middle of the court. And Medvedev is one of the, the few players, honestly, who's actually willing to execute that. I think there are a lot of really good reasons to play through the middle, but most players just refuse. Medvedev is really one of the, the practitioners of the ground stroke straight through the middle. And what that does is uh, it'll challenge Alcaraz's absorption of, of depth and pace. And look, I, we know that Medvedev isn't a huge hitter, but when, when he connects on the ball and it's flat on a grass court and it's deep, it's still a, a ball that's difficult to deal with. And then what you do, uh, you, you challenge the absorption, you diffuse Alcaraz's offense because he's so good, even when he's on the run into the corners, when you open up the angles of the court, Carlitos can hurt you. Much harder for him to do that from the middle especially if Medvedev's also on the center line. Like, if both players are on the center line, uh, that's where Medvedev is really going to defend probably extraordinarily well, unless Alcaraz absolutely laces the ball. And what you can do is, you know, be patient. Don't, don't create width until you have an opportunity to attack. Then you can create width. I'm, I'm wondering if Medvedev will play through the middle a little bit more. All right, I want to talk about some factors. Uh, mental, mental factor first. I actually like Medvedev in this area. He is a confidence player, and I think he's pretty confident right now. Plus, he comes in without pressure. Uh, he was not expected to do well at, at Wimbledon. I think he feels like he's kind of sneaking up on people like he did in Rome, and he, he loves that role. He, he's really in his element in that role. And also... Like, I don't think there's been a lot of duds for Medvedev in big matches in majors. I don't think that's happened all that often. Now, I mean, you know, I can think of some blowouts like the 2021 Australian Open final. But uh, in general, I think he's performed pretty well in these kinds of matches. Oh, the team U.S. Open semifinal was pretty bad as well. So, I don't know. Maybe you can think of some examples. But I trust Medvedev mentally. Alcaraz, I have some questions about. Uh, he was mentally stilted yet again for the first set against Runa. And uh, that is not ideal. You know, I'm not hitting the panic button by any means. At the end of the day, he's still 20 years old. So, I mean, again, don't, don't, don't think that, that this is me levying criticism. But I would also say that the, the nerves and the, the tension of the big matches, we've seen two majors in a row where that's been a really big factor uh, because, again, I think in the first set against Runa, he was far, far, far below the level that he needs to play, and it was just that Holger was uh, was in the same place mentally, and that's why it didn't cost Alcaraz. 
Physically, however, I think Carlitos has a, a really big advantage, actually. Uh, first, you have the disparity in uh, the quarterfinals where, you know, Medvedev did a lot of running and a lot of defending against Chris Eubanks and played a five-setter where Alcaraz played a straight set match where there were barely any rallies. I also think that Medvedev's match against Fuchovic and even Medvedev's match against Manorino, considering it was over the course of two days, uh, had some components to them that were quite physical. So I feel like Daniil has a lot more mileage coming into this semifinal compared to Alcaraz. I, I, I wonder if we'll get like a next-gen stat like distance run uh, throughout the tournament because sometimes, I don't know if IBM is tracking that or something, but sometimes we get that. Uh, Daniil is now four and nine in five set matches after the five, after the win, uh, against Eubanks. And I just don't feel like we've seen him show that he can actually play a bunch of physical matches at the end of a major and come out victorious. I'm not saying he definitely can't, particularly on grass, but he definitely hasn't proven that he can. And if you if you come back at me with like, hey, Gil, he won a major. What are you talking about? Yeah, he lost one set. He lost one set to Botic. That was straight set, straight set, straight set, straight set. That's how he won the U.S. Open. So he did not show anything physically uh, in that particular title run. So uh, if, it get, if this becomes a physical war, yeah, I do have questions about Tennille, and I have less questions about Alcaraz. Uh, X-Factor. Center court. Medvedev has not played a match on center. And that's possibly because he's even requested court one because he loves court one. And uh, according to him, I haven't fact-checked this, but according to him, he has never lost on court one. And that's his favorite court at Wimbledon. But it's been rather bizarre. He's played one match on court three and, uh, sorry, court two. And then the rest of his matches on court one. He hasn't played on center yet. I, I don't know. I feel like that's a bit of a disadvantage uh, because these courts do not all play the same. Uh, the The common refrain is that court one is a little bit, you know what? I'm not even going to say it because I've, I've heard in the past that it's faster. I've heard this tournament that it's slower. You know what? I don't know. But I do know that uh, grass courts are pretty fickle and... I think if you go around the All England Club and play on all the courts, they're not all playing the same. It's not like a hard court where it's like, you know, the the variables are so controlled when it comes to concrete. And they're much less controlled when it comes to grass. So I, I think that they the courts are different, and I think that's an interesting uh, part of this. Uh, so my prediction, ultimately, I think, you know, it's hard to play. It's hard to win on grass playing defense and Medvedev has shown that that's possible but it's even harder to win playing defense against Alcaraz and Medvedev has yet to show that that is possible and ultimately I think that this is a pretty good matchup for Carlitos especially on this surface which makes it a little bit harder for Daniil's Medvedev uh, Daniil's defense uh, to become problematic for Alcaraz I just haven't seen Medvedev impose his will enough offensively for me to feel confident that he can beat Alcaraz. Because to me, relying on Carlitos to miss is not a great strategy on this court. Alcaraz in four is my prediction. Let's move on to Djokovic Sinner. The head-to-head -head is 2-0 Djokovic. 
Monte Carlo 2021, Sinner played terribly in that match, and he got blown out. Wimbledon last year, Novak completes a comeback from down two sets to love. My take on that match was that Djokovic never came all that close to losing. And I said that because if you look at how the third set, the fourth set, and the fifth set played out, early break, no sweat on serve, Novak never came close to losing any of those sets, and therefore he never came close to losing the match. Uh, it, was a, it was a strange match. I didn't think there was much of a tactical shift from the first two sets to the latter three. I thought it was more about energy, execution, physicality, because you know th there were a lot of poor misses by Novak in the first two sets. And then for the last three, he played about as clean as humanly possible. And Sinner's forehand got vulnerable, and I think his legs got tired. And that was ultimately my, my spark notes for how the match went. Djokovic path to victory. His defense against a power baseliner is usually a really big factor. And, you know, we saw it a little bit against Rublev. And the thing to watch when, when you have a player who's relying on, on their power to generate forced errors and, and winners and finishes ultimately is, you know, how many times is Yannick going to hit two great shots or three great shots and still lose the point because he missed the third or he missed the fourth? And that is where Djokovic's pace absorption and his defense comes into play. Now, Sinner is working very hard on finishing with touch, which is kind of a good antidote to complementing the power with, you know, dropping the ball into the forecourt and, you know, getting the ball to bounce twice in front of an opponent who has backed up to account for your power. But Sinner's drop shots and Sinner's drop volleys and his net play in general, we have seen all year, while I love that he's using it, I fully support him. It's got a long ways to go. At least that's what it seemed like so far. Maybe he'll surprise us in that category. Ultimately, when it comes to Djokovic's ability to defend, pace does not work against him as well as width and height do. Look, Novak's a great defender no matter how you attack him, but it's always seemed like, I mean, you even think about when Del Potro has played Djokovic, like uh, the U.S. Open final that they played comes to mind. You look at the way that Novak will will take big power and use it against his opponents. It's, it's one of his best skills, honestly. So Sinner, you know, being somebody who attacks with a lot of linear power, that bodes well for Djokovic's ability to bother him with his defense. Keep an eye on the down-the-line frequency. That's my next point. I don't think that Novak wants to trade cross-court backhands, but I think what he does want to do is anticipate Sinner's backhand cross-court because Yannick gets a little bit predictable going cross-court with his backhand. He doesn't go down the line all that often. So I think Novak goes to Yannick's backhand. He leans left. He anticipates the cross-court. His feet are there early. His beautiful preparation is, is on point, and he makes that redirection down the line. And now you get Sinner moving, and you want to get Sinner moving. I mean, he's got a great running forehand, uh, but ultimately 
what you what you don't want is Yannick's feet set. That's where he's really going to be at his most consistent and precise and powerful. Um, so that's kind of the back end of back end. I look for I look for Djokovic to get out of that exchange with redirections. Sinner not as much because he's just not as good at it. He doesn't time that back end down the line all that well. Um, and on the forehand, there's a I think a similar dynamic where. Sinner moves his forehand around a little bit more than he moves his backhand around. So he'll go down the line. Um, he'll he'll change his direction more. Uh, but he's he's still much less accurate than Novak. And that leads to a gulf in forehand consistency where, you know, Djokovic is just not making as many... He's not missing as many balls wide, generally speaking, because he's timing the ball better. And Novak is also producing width better. Like when you when you change down the line, like yes, there's components of taking time away and pace and getting the ball through the court, sure. Uh, but ultimately, you want to be precise and you want to hit it close to the line because uh, you want to maximize the width that you're achieving on that shot. And Djokovic does that better. He does it also better with his inside in and his inside out. On Novak's plus one game. And his first serve, I think it's important to note that he continues to be dominant attacking behind his first serve on grass. High first serve percentages, great spots, precision and penetration on the plus one, threat of the drop shot, threat of the net approaching. Is Sinner a good enough counterpuncher to actually disrupt Djokovic's great dominance, his, you know, highly efficient serve plus one game. Is, is he a good enough counterpuncher to accomplish that? I, I don't think so. Uh, he's usually pretty resistant to defense. You know, sometimes he's trying to go a little bit too big out of the corners. His slice defense isn't great. Uh, he is not, you know, he is a, he is a above average mover, but he's not an outstanding mover. He's not a top 10 mover or anything like that. So, I, I don't know. Like, if, if you told me that Djokovic wins 80% of his first serve points, I wouldn't be all that shocked. Sinner's path to victory. I think if Novak gets tight and he loses some quality on his groundies, for example, you know, he's dropping the ball short and he's getting a little spinny, Sinner has the power to make him pay dearly for those kinds of mistakes. You know, when you drop the ball in the kill zone against Sinner, he he brings the he he drops the hammer. You know what can I say? And it doesn't matter if it's on his forehand or his backhand. He can really threaten off of either wing. And when power doesn't miss, it's hard to deal with. And there's it doesn't really matter who you are. It doesn't matter how well you absorb pace. At the end of the day, if if a guy's gonna I don't know average 82, 83 miles per hour on the forehand and not miss a lot, like keep it clean, that's always going to be hard to deal with. The question is, you know, is he actually producing the short balls on a consistent enough basis to find those opportunities to attack with the power? Are those short balls coming? Like is Novak getting tight enough to deliver those short balls? And also is, is Sinner doing it without making mistakes? Uh, I think Yannick needs to stay present. 
move the ball around, mix up pace a bit. I, I hope I don't, I hope I'm not watching Yannick in, in the ground stroke rallies and it just feels like he's not thinking. And, you know, he's just kind of playing with a, a sameness and injecting a, injecting pace into every ball and playing uh, Novak into that rhythm. I, I don't think that's the way. I think he needs to, he needs to think. Um, I mean, look, you don't have much time to think, so it needs to be somewhat instinctual, but he needs to mix it up, all right? He needs to bring the variety, and he needs to hope it works because that's his only chance. He has to give himself a chance. I want to see drop shots. I want to see net approaches. I want to see, you know, off-speed off kind of short angles, roll the ball a little bit, uh, slice short, you know, do stuff. Yannick needs to do stuff. And I know that he might not be as polished at executing that stuff, but God, if you don't try, you have no chance. So just play the right way, play the best way, I should say, and and hope that you figure out a way to make some of those things work. Uh, for Sinner, the serve is better than last year, and if he makes a high percentage, he definitely has the skills to be ruthless on first serve points. I talk about how the power will pay dividends if he gets the opportunity. Um to get a look at short balls. And, you know, the first serve is another area where you're going to produce those uh, th those attackable balls. So not only that, but, you know, he's pretty good at taking a deeper turn and, and still turning it into damage. He has the ability, especially off of wide serves when Djokovic is out of position, uh, to take a deeper turn and still crank it, you know, still do damage. Let's talk about physical. Let's talk about mental. Let's start with physical. Can Sinner withstand a best of five set war? I'm really not sure. In fact, I, I lean no. Um, while Yannick is well rested from winning all of his matches somewhat decisively, if you look at his career track record, he is five and six and five setters. All five of his wins were against pretty large underdogs. You know, most of them fall under the category of, you know, geez, Yannick, why'd you go five there? You probably should have won in three or four, most of them. So, you know, I think Sinner is still in the developmental stages physically. Certainly at, what, 21 years old, he's he's starting a, he's he's moving closer to finished product than certainly he was two years ago when he could barely you know, pass a quarterfinal and barely stay healthy. Uh, so he's getting there, but I don't think he's there yet. Mentally, this is the biggest match of Yannick's life, his first ever major semifinal, and he has been susceptible to nerves throughout his career. He doesn't have a great track record in big quarterfinals, semifinals, or finals, and uh, hopefully he can play free, but I do think that if he has leads, it can be tough for Sinner to not feel uh, the pressure of the moment. X factor for me, how well is Sinner actually playing? It's hard to tell. His best opponent has been world number 79, Kontan Alice. Did I improve my pronunciation of that name? I know that I wasn't pronouncing that name well. French names are my weakness, Kontan Alice. Uh, 79 in the world, highest ranked opponent. You know, big serve, dangerous on grass. But, I mean, how how, how can we tell how well Sinner is actually playing when, you know, he just hasn't really had a good measuring stick or a good barometer 
for us to really know that. And uh, that's the X factor. I don't know how it's going to really... I, I honestly don't really think it helps him to have this easy a path. But I, I think ultimately the fact that he's made the Wimbledon semifinal, that that's good. Uh, but I don't think it helps him win this match. Maybe it helps his career, right? There's a nuance there. My prediction. I can see Sinner uh, have a great serving set where he, where he keeps it really clean with his baseline power. Maybe capitalizes on some Novak tension. I could see that happening once. I definitely can't see it happening for three sets. So my prediction is Novak in four. Hope you enjoy these matches, everybody. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time.